I'm going to read verses 3 through 5 of 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Listen to the word of the Lord. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This is the word of the Lord. I'm going to read it again. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, our weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This is the word of the Lord. So, first thing I want to I note here, this is not a passive mindset, is it? This is not someone who is passively simply experiencing life, going with the flow, allowing what they think to go where they think, allowing what they feel to go where they feel. This is not someone who is stupid enough to believe every thought that enters their head. This is not somebody stupid enough to believe every thought that enters their head. This is somebody who has a warring, warfare, aggressive mindset that says, I exist, I am the will of God on planet earth, and I will do the will of God in my body today. This is somebody who came, who came to do God's will. I did not come here to float I'm not asking the question, how do I feel today? I'm declaring the truth today. I'm walking in God's will today. I'm not feeling sorry for myself today. I'm, I'm aggressively using the weapons Jesus has given me to fight the fight of faith. The battlefield is your mind. The issue is the truth. What you believe. Not every thought in your head is you. If you think it is, you're already, you're already losing. If you think every thought in your head comes just from you, you're already going to be losing. You have a mind. You also have a soul. Those aren't the same. You also have a spirit. You have a flesh. That flesh has desires. Those desires are presented as thoughts. You have doubts, if you're normal. Doubts have a voice. You have fears. Fears have a voice. You have hopes. Those have a voice. You have people who have shaped you and formed you. You carry them with you. They're like a little group. They're like a jury in your head. 
that you're living your life in front of. Whether they're alive or dead is not relevant. The fact that you carry them along inside of you is relevant and they are talking. There are labels that life has stuck on you that are speaking. You have scripture, hopefully, rattling around up there. You have the Holy Spirit's voice rattling around up there. Hopefully you're a haunted house where the Holy Ghost comes to frequent. You have a conscience that talks, whether it's telling you the truth or not. But you have a conscience. There are angels. They have a voice. There are demons. They have voices. We are full of voices. I don't know why, but in this country, the only people who think they hear voices are labeled schizophrenic when the rest of us hear voices too. I bet, and at the end we're going to test this, I bet that if I asked you, what is the main lie that the evil one has been attempting to plant in your heart recently, almost everyone in the room would be able to tell me what that is. I was recently just talking with with someone who is schizophrenic. And I was telling him this truth. Not all your thoughts are your thoughts. There's a voice of love, which is Jesus. Listen, if it doesn't encourage you, build you up, make you strong, cause you to... if, If the voice that you're listening to doesn't bring you to a sense of peace and calm and doesn't build you up and make you strong, it can't be the Lord. The voice of Jesus is the voice of love. And Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they're not going to be led astray. They're not going to listen to another because they will run away from another because they know my voice. Sheep are not like dogs. They don't really obey. They basically come or go. They run away or they come near. And I remember our sheep escaped back in the day. My dad had a bunch of sheep. They escaped. They went across 13, which is a very busy highway. The police officers had their guns drawn and were down on their knees calling to the sheep like they were dogs. Like they were dogs, bunny. Come here, sheep, come on. Trying to keep them from getting killed by traffic. Now, whose voice are they going to listen to? They're only going to listen to the voice of the person who has consistently given them food and not kicked them or hit them. Every other voice is a... Sheep are anxious creatures. They are distrusting and anxious creatures. You, 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 can, you can, if you get like a border collie, you can chase them the direction you want them to go if you get a, a dog to yip at them. But the easiest way of dealing with sheep is to be their shepherd and just simply go where you're going and call to them. And they'll follow. That's the easiest way to lead sheep. It's way easier than driving them with fear. 
But Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. They've learned to recognize my voice. So I, I base most of the, the, the stuff that I do in the Christian faith on some very simple convictions. God loves me. Jesus wants to talk to me, so I should be listening. Right? God loves me. Jesus wants to talk to me, so I should be listening. I read my Bible out loud because I need to hear that truth to renew my mind. I, tell, I start my prayer by thanking God for the eternal things. And then I do listening prayer. Because what I found is Jesus will go places in his conversation with me that I wouldn't necessarily go. There are things he wants to talk about that I don't necessarily want to talk about. But anyway, I was talking to, my, to somebody on the phone and they happened to be schizophrenic. And I said, look, not every thought in your head comes from you. Not every thought that comes into your head comes from you. Some voices are coming at you, not from you. I said, listen, the evil one's probably talking to you, probably saying things like, my life is going to go bad. People are going to reject me. Bad things always happen to me because I deserve it. All these things go wrong with me more than they do for other people. And if someone doesn't return your phone call, the evil one starts to talk to you about that and says, see, they're rejecting you too. The dude acted like I was prophesying, like I was reading his mind. But actually, I just know what that voice says in my life. And I've learned to distrust it. I've learned to recognize that's not the voice of my shepherd. Right? Many of us are actually afraid to admit the stuff we hear and the, the, the thoughts we're entertaining, the dark thoughts we've been entertaining. We're afraid to admit them. And I think we're afraid to admit them. Hold on. Many of us are afraid to admit the dark thoughts we've been entertaining because I think that our thought is if we acknowledge it, if we admit it, we'll empower it. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to admit this crazy thought we've been having, this, these dark thoughts. We don't want to admit it because it might empower those thoughts. And actually, that's backwards. That's actually, that's actually backwards. If you walk in the light, as Jesus is in the light, as God is in the light, you'll find freedom. Amen. Scripture says if you confess your sins, you'll be healed. The, the, the gospel is about radical transparency. Amen. The stuff we keep in the dark stays alive. There's, some st- there's a sterilizing effect that light has. <laughs> this is disgusting, but my roommate in college didn't wash his, his uh, basketball shorts. <laughs> now, I didn't wash them once. He hung them out the window, and the ultraviolet radiation from the sun took care of all the stink. They didn't smell at all. 
The sun has a lot of power. Ultraviolet radiation. Did you know that's how they... I worked in a microbiology lab and we ran these little Petri dishes full of auger. We ran them under ultraviolet lights because the the UV rays sterilize them. Light kills the bacteria, lots of stuff. There's a sterilizing effect when you bring stuff into the light. People, people hold, people hide the sins they're ashamed of. They hide the insecurities. They hide the fears. We hide stuff. Now, that doesn't mean everybody in your life is, is trustworthy. Some people, if you're an open book, they will, they will be like, man, you're a freak. Get away from me. Because they're not quite yet in touch with their own brokenness. It's interesting, isn't it? Uh, Paul says to Timothy, you should never make a brand new Christian the overseer or the pastor because they might fall into the snare of the devil, which is conceit. Now, why would you say, what what does being a new believer in leadership, what does that have to do with conceit? It It means you ain't been saved long enough to fail a lot of times and come to a more humble assessment of yourself. Someone who's been a believer a while knows their weakness, knows their, their need for Jesus, knows that they're in, the, they're in a process and they're not the hero of the story. Jesus is the hero of the story. And by when it says the snare of the devil, the conceit is the snare of the devil. What it means is, well, it's actually what it says is the condemnation of the devil. What it means is that's the sin the devil is in and God's condemnation is on him for. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. But when we come into the light, when we confess, when we start to get real, the light frees us. Radical Honesty is the path to freedom. This is interesting, right? Like all sin works the same. All sin is addictive and deceptive. And the, in other words, the more, the more deep you are in the sin, the more you live in the dark and the more deceived you become. So first thing an addict will do is begin to lie to others to cover their addiction. But eventually, the addict is no longer just lying to others. We, we, we will, yeah, we lie to ourselves. And we say things like, I can stop whenever I want. Eventually, the deeper the addiction goes, more and more of our life begins to be in the dark. And it's why, it's why the path to freedom from any area of sin is radical confession. Amen. When somebody begins to be honest, first of all with themselves and God, and then secondly with the people around them, you know it's real. You know freedom is coming. Because sin loves to stay alive and it's parasitic and it wants to stay in the dark to do so. So let's say the evil one's talking to you. And you start to bring what you hear the evil one saying into the light to evaluate it, to expose it, to see it for what it is. How much more free are you just by starting to acknowledge the stuff you're hearing? 
If you, even, even if these voices aren't demonic, even if it's the voice of, say, your parents who've been in heaven for 20 years, but they're still holding power over you. You know, you always wanted dad's approval. You could never get it. He's long since dead, so the relationship's not exactly going to be reconciled, but you still carry this man around in your head and hearing, hearing his disapproval and craving his approval. Or somebody labeled you, you were in a conflict with somebody and they called you a name or they've judged you and they put a label on you in, in, a, in a conflict and you say to yourself, that's nonsense, I don't believe that. And yet you find yourself living with reference to proving them wrong. What, what would happen if instead of just plowing ahead even though there's a concert of voices inside your head, what would happen if you would begin to do what this passage is saying? To actually evaluate the thoughts in your head. Is this thing blocking my relationship with Jesus? Am I experiencing joy, hope, and peace in this area of my life? Why not? Something's blocking. There's a stronghold. Let me unpack this real quick. I remember when we were learning how to pray for the sick with Randy Clark. He said, if you're praying for somebody's pain and the pain moves from the area of the body that it started at to a different area of the body, that's probably not a natural illness. I have really bad shoulder pain. So you pay, pray for their shoulder pain. Oh, it just moved to my low back. Yeah. Bro, wounds, injury, physical injuries don't do that. And Randy would say, oh, it's demonic. If the pain moves around their body while you're praying, it's demonic. And then he said, so then you should be really encouraged. Because if you spot it, you got it. I loved that principle. If you spot it, you got it. Or I like to say it came up to come out. Some people would have the exact opposite response, wouldn't they? Demonic? Okay, I'm just going to call Pastor Tim and leave. Pastor Tim, there's a situation you can deal with. I love how you love it. I love doing ministry. Come over here and you deal with it. No, if you spot it, you got it. If you spot it, you got it. And, and so I'm, I'm applying that same principle to our thoughts too. Once you know this is a lie that I'm believing. Okay, well, if you know it's a lie, then you kind of usually already have the truth built into it. If, you, if the lie is everyone will always leave me, All right, Jesus, what's the truth? You will never leave me or forsake me. And there's some people that you'll give to me who will be faithful. But unmasking, beginning, if you spot it, you got it, is a powerful principle. All right, so let's talk about how strongholds get into our life. You okay? You doing all right? I'll try to talk to you for about 13 more minutes and 15 seconds. No, I want to leave time and space for prayer. So you've figured out by now that life hurts, right? 
There's only two of us that agree with that. <laughs> life, life has a lot of stuff in it that is painful. And, and anyone else in here figure out that they're a broken person? Honestly, I don't want to watch a television show with, like, straight up. I don't want to watch a boring television show with people who don't have problems and don't have issues. How boring would that be? I would not want to watch any movie where it's happily ever after. Yawn. Boring. I I remember Gabe when, (laughs) Gabe, do you remember what you said when you were, like, nine about Disney movies? And how they all have the kind of have this happily ever after thing. And you filled in the blank. You were a little kid and you said, and so they lived happily ever after until they grew old, sick, lonely, depressed and afraid and eventually died. (laughs) Do you not remember that? I was was like, oh, he's a little cynic. I like that. But life hurts us, and then what happens is our brains go into evaluation. What just happened? What just happened? That hurt. I need to learn something. I need need to avoid that ever again. That's the natural response. When we go through pain, first thing that happens is we post-process, and we try to figure out what we did wrong, and and then we try to institute a, a, a new plan to avoid getting hurt like that again. And a lot of times what happens is life will go wrong. Then the evil one will use a wound in our life to try to plant a lie. So let's say a guy gets dumped by a girl and then the devil says, all women will hurt you. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then your flesh, your flesh, you remember in the Old Testament, Abraham and Sarah got a promise from the Lord and they didn't trust the Lord to fulfill the promise. But in the flesh, they figured out how it was their job to take good care of themselves. So then they had babies they shouldn't have had and they made more problems for their life. The flesh has strategies of self-protection. So first we got a fallen world that hurts us. And then we have an enemy that tries to plant lies in those little key, little key areas, those chinks in our armor, those wounds. The wounds become an access point to a lie. And then our flesh hears the lie and says, I have to protect myself. Trusting Jesus is too scary. I will never let this happen again. That's called an inner vow. So our life wounds us. The devil lies to us. Our flesh makes an inner vow. I'm taking control of this and I will never let this happen again. I grew up poor and I will never be poor. I will always have money in the savings. I'll work four jobs if I have to. I was betrayed, so I will never have a man who has a separate email, phone, account than me. I will never let this happen again. An inner vow usually has a word like never or always attached to it. And it ends up, the flesh makes inner vows and those are our self-protection strategies. And, And guess what happens? Let's say you were following Jesus. Love is what he's trying to produce in us. Love, love. And you know what love looks like? 
It looks like Jesus dying on a cross. It looks like washing the feet of those who are about to betray you. It looks like turning the other cheek and being wronged again. It looks like opening your heart to being hurt. Can you see that what Jesus is trying to do in your life is the opposite of what the flesh wants in your life? Can you see that the way of the spirit and the way of the flesh are opposed to each other? Because the way of Jesus is self-giving sacrificial love and the way of the flesh is self-protection and pleasure and comfort. And can you see that even if you're a follower of Jesus, it's so easy when life hurts you and the devil lies to you to then get in the flesh and we keep going to church and singing that Jesus is good and Jesus is Lord and we keep praying to Jesus, but Jesus is no longer on the throne of our heart. Pain avoidance is. That's called strongholds, friend. Now we're ruled by fear of getting hurt again or failing or losing. Now we're using the Bible to try to build a system of making life work. Because now being blessed is our whole goal rather than becoming love. You can still sing the same songs. You can still quote the same scriptures, but the motivation is no longer Jesus. And the degree to which these inner vows rule you and me is the degree to which we walk around not doing okay, not experiencing peace, not experiencing joy, not experiencing hope. These are strongholds that we built from the wounds, lies, and the inner vows. And Paul says, hey guys, spiritual warfare is not you yelling at the devil. It's you removing all the legal access the devil has to control you. And it's not about getting him to stop talking to you. True spiritual warfare doesn't need the devil to stop talking. I've told you this story so many times, but Adam Bauer is praying... All of a sudden, this dark depression cloud starts to try to come on him again. And he goes, oh, it's a, it's a demon. He realizes the depression is not coming from inside of him. It's coming at him from outside trying to fool him. Yeah. And he realizes, oh, this is demonic. And then he has a thought. You know what? I'm cool with this. I'm going to let this thing suffer through watching me serve Jesus. This thing has made me suffer for years. I'm going to make him suffer. So he has his devotions. He loves his wife and daughters or his sons. And he goes to church and he has his whole thing. And he preaches that morning, goes back for an evening service. And back then they used to have a, now they have kids uh, youth group in the evening. Back then they had healing services in the evening. And he's praying over the sick. And some prophetic person in his church comes up and says, Adam, there's, I don't want to freak you out, but there's like a dark cloud thing over your left shoulder. Yeah, I know. You know, yeah, he's been with me all week. Aren't you going to like co- command it to leave? No. Why not? I'm just going to make it suffer. What? Yeah, I mean, it's going to have to watch me obey Jesus. It's going to have to watch me pray to Jesus, sing to Jesus, love, not be selfish, forgive, not get offended by stuff where people are being dumb. I'm just not going to do, I'm just going to make this thing suffer through through watching me glorify Jesus. Okay. 
And then I'm like, Adam, what happened? You got to finish the story. Because he like moves on, doesn't even finish. I go, but what happened to the demon? He goes, ah, I got bored left after a couple more days. But I didn't need it to. I didn't need it to. Why? Because what I feel is not the truth. What happens when we get wounded in life is things that are not true start to feel true. And, and this warfare that we're in involves, as far as I can tell, involves saying to Jesus things like, Lord, are there lies that feel true to me because of the wounds I've experienced in life? Did you know sin deceives us? You can sin, and then if you don't repent, and then you sin in that same area again, and you keep sinning in that area, now you're living with a certain level of lies. So it's not just being sinned against that wounds us and lies to us. It's my own sin that can wound and lie to me. So meditating on scripture, this is part of the reason that I, that I think it's so important to out loud read the New Testament and then talk to God about what it says Every single day, meditating on scripture. By meditating, I don't mean sitting in the lotus position and saying, oh, I mean, if that's how you do it, that's fine. But the word meditating is a Hebrew word that, that is, evokes the picture of a cow chewing its cud. It means to chew on. It means to think about for a while, to slowly think about, to slowly reflect on the meaning of and the implications of what God has said in his book. You know, Linda, we just prayed this over Linda on Wednesday night from Psalm 1, one of my favorite psalms. It says, blessed is the man who does not, you know, fellowship with, hang out with, learn from moral fools. Blessed is the person, happy is the person whose inner circle of friends don't, you know, who does not have fools as an inner circle of friends. Listen, if your inner circle of friends does not love and delight in Jesus, get new friends. Blessed is the person who delights in the Bible and who morning and evening meditates on, delights in God's word, because God will establish that person. It says that their leaf won't wither, they'll bear good fruit, and everything they do will prosper. But the wicked will be blown away like garbage, like chaff, like dead leaves. And on judgment day, they will not be able to stand in the presence of Jesus, whereas the person whose heart has delighted in what God has to say, who has given themselves to being shaped by, formed by what God has revealed in his book, that person will stand with shoulders back, head held high, and look God in the face and say, I know you. And then the best part is God will say, I know you. And it all, the whole, the whole Psalm 1 centers on one little reality. 
Blessed is the person who meditates and delights, delights on the word and meditates on the word day and night. Day and night. Scripture is truth. Okay, so meditating on Scripture is critical to taking our thoughts captive so that we know what God says is true. Our culture is not to be trusted. Our flesh is not to be trusted. Our I'm right and whoever hurt me is wrong is not to be trusted. Right? When, when you're in, a mid- in the middle of an interpersonal conflict, haven't you noticed how hard it is to hear the Lord? Because all you want to hear is I'm right and they're stupid. Self-justification is so powerful. How about this? When you're overcome with anxiety, is it easy to hear God? You hear what that means? Time's up. (laughs) Meditating on Scripture, powerful. Sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to what he says is powerful. He is love. He delights in you. He is the counselor, not you. He's the therapist, not you. He's the healer, not you. He's the great physician, not you. A lot of us look inside ourselves, try to fix ourselves, and then come to the Lord. We try to morally renovate ourselves and then come to the Lord. And then people say dumb stuff to me like, I'm going to come to church, Tim, after I get my life sorted. I'm like, how are you going to get your life sorted if you don't start coming to church first? And how are you going to get your life sorted if you don't let Jesus into the mess? He just wants, he, he is all about honesty. He, he only understands and hears honest prayers. I mean, I told you a couple weeks back about the lady who was filled with anger at God. We, we know God doesn't sin and we know God hasn't harmed anyone. But many of us are so hurt by what God has allowed in our lives that though we won't admit it to ourselves, we're deeply resentful and distrustful of God. And there are, there are those of us who need to forgive God for stuff he didn't really do, but we need to forgive him. There are people that until they start to get honest with God about how angry they are at God, None of the rest of their prayers are even getting through the ceiling. There goes the the food, people. All right, I'm trying to finish up here. Repent, renounce, replace. When we realize, oh, there's a lie I'm believing. Repent, renounce, replace. The inner healing stuff that I do with people is, I don't like the phrase inner healing prayer. I'd prefer to say what it really is. It's really spiritual warfare. Inner healing sounds all therapeutic and maybe a little effeminate. And then dudes are like, I don't need no dang inner healing prayer. But what if I said that we're going to kick some serious butt today? That we're going to fight using the weapons of our warfare and we're going to tear down strongholds. We're going to flow in the sword of the spirit and we're going to lift the shield of faith. And we're going to extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one. We're going to gain some victory. And we're going to stop being self-pitying little victims who are powerless. And we're going to stand tall and be a warrior. 
What if I said it like that? Would that make you happier? I think most guys would like that better. But that's what we're doing. And when we realize we're believing lies, we need to repent, we need to renounce, and we need to replace. What did I just say? What three words? If you'll repent, if you'll repent, Jesus, how did this lie get into my life? What, what, how did, what happened? Did something happen, Jesus, that this lie started to feel true? And usually he'll take you to a memory and he'll show you something that happened and show you how a lie came in through a wound. Boom. And then you can say, Lord, is there anything here I need to repent of? Because if you'll repent, if you'll repent, the devil has no legal right to accuse you and condemn you anymore. None. Dude, I guarantee you there's schizophrenic people who would stop hearing voices if they'd stop letting the devil have a legal right to torment them. Repent. Renounce. Do you know what, what, what does this renounce mean? I break my agreement with this lie. Amen. Say it out loud. Use force. Scripture says to resist the evil one. But I'm talking, like, how did we start? There's people who have a passive approach. Whatever I think, that's just what I think. Whatever I feel, that's just what I feel. I feel like my life's going bad today. I guess my life's going bad. I believe, that, I believe a story about my life, that I'm not blessed. Other people are better than this than me. I'm always going to be alone. It's never going to work. Blah. Passive. You're a victim? You're not a victim. You're an overcomer. You're a warrior. And you're called to, a, to fight in a battle. You have weapons. Strengthen my hands for war, God. That's a good prayer. Okay. Repent. Lord, is there anything here I can, that I can repent of? Which, by the way, is always an upgrade. Repentance is like amazing. Repentance is the gospel. The good news is I can change. Yeah. <laughs> That's some good news. Yeah. If change isn't possible, then I guess heaven when we die is the best God has to offer us. I mean, that's better than nothing, but I, I was promised. Here's what I was promised. I was promised that he would take me out of slavery in Egypt through the, through the wilderness into the promised land. And then I was going to die later. There's some promised land to inhabit now where I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I, I, I'm still preaching. Repent, ren renounce. I break my agreement with this lie and then replace. And I affirm the truth that is in Jesus. If, if you could, this is a simple process of all, what is this thought, right? What, what was the scripture we had at the beginning? We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What do you mean take captive every thought? You, you are taking these same areas of thought that once served the evil one and fought against your life and you're saying, no, you're the one being on offense. Did you know good offense always beats good defense? Good offense always beats good defense. And you're on offense. What were my three R's? Replace. Okay, right now, 
prayer team can come on up. I bet if I ask you right now to identify some kind of demonic lie that has been attempting to enter your heart recently, you'd be able to identify one. So just right now, ask God. God, are there any demonic lies that have been trying to enter my heart lately? Yeah, go ahead. This is a spirit of prayer kind of thing. So everyone, please uh, shut your eyes and, and get in a place of prayer. No, I don't like that music. Turn that off. That's too cheesy. Are there any demonic lies that have been trying to enter my heart recently? All right, who's got one yet? Yeah, what is it? I don't deserve good. Perfect. Thank you. Excellent. And just by saying it out loud, you've already stripped it of, of a whole bunch of its power. Just, just hold off on the music till I, till I ask for it. Thank you. What's a lie? I, I tell myself I'm ugly all the time. Ah, the lies you're ugly. That's interesting. <laughs> so in the back, the lie was, say it again. What was the lie in the back? Uh, um, I'm, not I'm not worthy of good things. Yours was, I'm ugly. Mm-hmm. I don't deserve, that's a, ouch. I don't deserve love. Yeah. Are you guys hearing this stuff? Yeah. We know their lies, don't we? Right away. Okay. By the way, the people around you in public, whether they do or don't know Jesus, there's an evil, evil force at work to destroy their lives too. So your freedom is going to equip you to bring them into freedom. Okay. So let's ask this question. I don't know what, what if you got one yet, but God, when in my life... Did that lie first begin to feel true? When in my life did that lie first start to feel true? Next question, God, did, did I make any inner vows of self-protection in response to this lie? Did I make any inner vows of self-protection in response to this lie? God, what bad fruit has the lie and my vows of self-protection? What bad fruit have these things been bearing in my life? How has this affected me?
God, is there anything I can repent of in this situation? God, is there anyone I need to forgive in this situation? God, what's the truth that you want me to believe from now on? Don, what was yours? I'm not worthy of love. So what's the truth that Jesus wants you to believe from now on? Why are you worthy of love? And, the, and the, this conversation, as you have this with God, he'll say things to you in a way that are far better than just quoting truth to yourself. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes when I sit with people and I do listening prayer, and, and, and then I say, what's Jesus saying? I can tell it's not Jesus. It's just them telling me what they think I'm, they're supposed to say. And I'll push back and I'll say, is Jesus talking or are you talking? I want to hear from Jesus. God, are there any new skills you want to teach me about this area of the fight of faith? Are there any skills, new skills, God, you want to teach me? Okay, so guys, the main thing that I'm just trying to to open today is inviting Inviting Jesus into my thought process, okay? We're, not all my thoughts are mine. Not all my thoughts are true. Lots of things feel true that aren't, and there's some things that don't feel true that are. He says things that I go, can that really be? And it is. But inviting Jesus into what you're thinking, it's really as simple as, Okay, if that's a lie, Jesus, talk to me. Talk to me about that. How did that get here? What happened? What do you have to say to me? What do you want to teach me? And then you break it. You repent if there's anything to repent of. You forgive if there's anything to forgive. You renounce it. You break your agreement with it. And you reaffirm the truth. And you walk forward just a little bit sharper, a little bit smarter than before. And if you unspot it today, if you, if you unmask it today, you spot it today, you're going to be more likely to be able to spot it tomorrow when it tries to get back in the same door. And now what you've done, and if you walk other people through the same stuff, now what you've done is you've removed the legal right for the demonic to attack you in this way, and you, you've removed the emotional access point for these lies to afflict you. And you didn't have to wrestle any demons or pour any oil on anything. You didn't have to yell at the devil. You didn't have to give your attention to the devil. You gave your attention to Jesus and got free. I'd say this sure beats going in with a whole bunch of people 
pouring oil on everything, shouting and knocking paintings off the wall. 